Guardian Unlimited. Welcome to Sounds of the City, a series of six audio guides to Mediterranean cities produced in association with the new Renault Megane 2006. For more information on the car, please visit www.renault.co.uk. My name is Jim White and this is Sounds of the City for Guardian Unlimited. Eventually all roads do lead to Rome. You have to visit here at least once in your life, although frankly a thousand visits wouldn't do this city justice. Rome has been the centre of politics, religion, culture, art. It's been the powerhouse of the civilised world for over 2,000 years and you can't turn a street corner here without being confronted by some artistic wonder, some marvel that you couldn't possibly have imagined before you arrived here. It's the only city in which you'll have a local describe a 13th century church as new. And nothing's changed much since the days of the Roman emperors or, or the Renaissance. This is still the greatest city on earth and it's filled with popes and beggars and nuns and tourists and pickpockets and presidents. It's totally impossible to try and even scratch the surface in a single visit. Instead, you should take your time. You should enjoy the endless sights to see, the endless marvels of the city. You should stroll the narrow alleyways in the historic centre. You should eat an ice cream. You should just relax and soak up the atmosphere. Rome's Ciampino Airport is about 15 kilometres from the city centre and I hope you had a window seat because the views as you come into land are absolutely spectacular. You can see pretty much the whole of the city centre of Rome. Now getting from here uh, back into the city centre is pretty straightforward. The easiest choice is to take one of the shuttle buses. They go directly from here to the main train station in the heart of the city. The public shuttle bus costs five euros, but there's also private charter buses which are organised to link up with the actual flights coming in, which cost about eight euros. Alternatively, you can use public transport, which is a bit inconvenient. There's a Cotral bus which takes you to Agnanina metro station, where you have to change, and there you can take metro line A. That also takes you into the main train station but it's not ideal, it takes quite a long time, and it doesn't save you a great deal of money. If all these options aren't available, then you can always take a taxi, which should cost you about 50 euros. If you arrive at Rome's other airport, Leonardo da Vinci, then you can catch a train straight into the main train station of Rome. Uh, there's a train that leaves every 30 minutes, and the journey takes 30 minutes, and costs just under 10 euros. However you arrive in Rome, you'll probably arrive at the central train station and walk out onto Piazza di Cinquecento, which is where the kind of energy and, some would say, chaos of Rome becomes immediately apparent. There are many legendary things in this city, and one of them is the traffic. You'll find pedestrian crossings pretty much everywhere, but you shouldn't actually take these too seriously. They're only there as a guide, and you better have your wits about you as you head into the city. So. I'm going to try to get across this road now. <laughs> it's a pretty scary prospect. You should watch out for the, uh, the scooters in particular. They're only one step above pedestrians in the traffic food chain and they're quite merciless. 
Rome can be divided into pretty distinct areas, each one containing a vast amount of things to see and do. The historic centre of Rome, the Centro Storico, is thankfully pretty compact, but it's easy to get lost in its twisting maze of streets. It's here that you'll find some of the major sites like the Spanish Steps, the Trevi Fountain and the Pantheon. It's bordered to the west by the River Tiber and to the east by the parklands of the Villa Borghese. Beyond Piazza Venezia to the south is the ancient heart of Rome. It's here that you'll find the Capitoline Hill, the Roman Forum and the Colosseum. And in this area you'll also find the Palatine Hill and Emperor Nero's Palace. On the west bank of the River Tiber is St Peter's and the Vatican City. Technically it's a separate state, although there's nothing really to indicate crossing an international boundary, except perhaps a sudden increase in the number of nuns. How long have you lived in, in Rome for? Uh, 15 years, just, just about coming up. Well, you know, what has made you live in Rome for 15 years? Rome starts with the climate. It's got a magical climate. There are so many sweet days, days that just chirp you up chuck you under the chin, that you can have a day that takes you down. Two days, three days maximum, and then it just comes about. There is, no matter all the traffic and all the chaos and all the rest of it, there's something just nice about climate, the, the historicity of, you know, you go to pay your taxes and, and you pass wonderful architecture, uh, wonderful statues and then you can relax with a glass of wine on a pavement cafe. If you're visiting the churches in Rome, then you should dress modestly, particularly in the Vatican City. If you're wearing shorts or a short skirt or have bare shoulders, then you probably won't be allowed in. There are also a number of places in Rome that rent scooters or motorino. You'll notice there are an awful lot of these in the city. Guardian Unlimited readers at ivebeenthere.co.uk recommend cyclocar and bike rental, which is in Piazza Cavour at number 80. They should cost around 30 euros a day. Personally, I think you'd have to be absolutely crazy to take to the streets of Rome, but if you really must risk life and limb, I'd suggest Sundays, as it's a bit quieter on the streets and it should be pretty easy to find a priest. You should also eat the ice cream in Rome. I'd recommend Giolitis, which is in Uffizi del Vicario, which is near the Pantheon, but frankly I've never had bad ice cream in, in Rome, so just pick one that you like, it's all fantastic. But if you really want to blend in though, you need to buy a pair of sunglasses, and the bigger the better, and you should wear them at all times, even if it's the middle of the night and you can't see where you're going. And men as well should experiment with facial hair, because that's what the Romans do. Some sort of goatee would be ideal. Choosing five or six unmissable sites in Rome is firstly very difficult and also means leaving hundreds of other unmissable sites out. But the Pantheon is definitely a building that you can't miss when you're in Rome. It lies right at the historic heart of the city and is perhaps the best preserved ancient Roman building in the world. It was built just over 2,000 years ago by Marcus Agrippa as a temple dedicated to the planetary gods and it was subsequently rebuilt about 120 years after that by Emperor Hadrian, and that's the building that you see today. The impact of the interior is absolutely staggering. Above there's a, a massive uh, vaulted uh, masonry ceiling. The 
largest masonry vault in the world. And all around there's precious marbles decorating the, the floor and the ceilings. The interior is absolutely cavernous. The, the height of the, the building matches the diameter at just over 40 metres. And the sound within creates this kind of rumbling, echoing noise. You can still see, if you look carefully, the, the pins and, and brackets that held the marble in place. But all that's gone. Also's gone the gilded bronze ceiling, which was taken in the 17th century and melted down to make the canopy above the main altar in St. Peter's. Uh, the sound of water kind of gives this place away. The Trevi Fountain is one of Rome's most famous sites. It seems to occupy the whole side of a building. A spectacular white high baroque fountain designed by Nicola Salvi in the 18th century. It's a particularly romantic setting, just me, the fountain and a, and a few hundred tourists who are all crowding round it. It really is probably... Uh, a place where you want to try and come here when uh, it's not so busy. That's either late in the evening or very early in the morning. Now, um, let me see if I can find that change. You need three coins for this. Right then, here we go. I've got my three coins. I hope the Trevi Fountain takes sterling. Right, now you have to stand facing away from the fountain and chuck these coins over your shoulder. All right, here goes the first one. Hang on. It's difficult to miss. The first coin means that you will return to Rome. So it's a sound investment. The second coin means you'll fall in love with Italian. I'm sure a coin isn't really required for that. But um, and, and the third one is for charity. So, oh, hang on. I'm going to hit a tourist if I throw it now. Hang on, wait a minute. There we go. <laughs> My three coins in the Trevi Fountain. The Colosseum is perhaps the defining monument of Rome and it's difficult for us to appreciate exactly what went on here when it was built just under 2,000 years ago by the Emperor Vespasian. When you try and imagine what actually happened here, it's tempting to obviously put yourself in the role of a spectator, quite understandably, and the sheer scale of the shows is, is mind-boggling. When the Colosseum was opened, the inaugural games lasted 100 days and saw the death of 5,000 animals. But that was nothing compared to the show put on by Emperor Trajan, which lasted 117 days and saw the death of 9,000 gladiators. The Colosseum itself was put here partly for political reasons. This is the location originally of the Pleasure Lake attached to Emperor Nero's palace and so embarrassed were they by the excesses of Emperor Nero who was by all accounts a thoroughly unpleasant chap that they built the Colosseum here to erase his memory as quickly as possible. What you see today is, is what remains after centuries of, of looting. It was used uh, to supply building materials for many of the surrounding buildings over centuries. Below the floor of the the arena was where the gladiators wait, waited before they went into combat, where the wild animals were kept in cages before they were released and they were all hoisted 
onto the floor of the arena by a complex system of pulleys. What do you think of the Colosseum? It's a fantastic building from the outside, but um, it's much smaller than I thought it'd be. I thought it'd be much larger. Um, it's very impressive. It's an impressive building. When you're inside, you can see the, the detail and use your imagination what it used to be like, obviously being covered in marble and everything. Look at how it is now to, to how it was then. It just it blows your mind, in a way. There are two bits of advice regarding the uh, Colosseum. Firstly, there's a long queue for tickets to get in. If you actually go to the Palatine Hill right next to the Colosseum, you can buy a ticket there, and it's also valid for the Colosseum itself, so you'll save yourself a great deal of time. Secondly, be careful with the guys dressed in the Roman legionnaires' uniforms outside. They're there so you can have your photograph taken with them, which you may wish to do, but negotiate the price first. Some of them are slightly unscrupulous, they may be wearing tights, but they've also got some pretty nasty-looking swords. So it's always best to err on the side of caution. There is, of course, one place which these days in Rome resembles the Colosseum, slightly, without the blood, and that's the Stadio Olimpico, which is where we are now. And it's Lazio against Sampdoria get tickets, probably the easiest place to get them from is from Orbis, which is in Piazza de Santa Maria Maggiore, which is near the train station, just to the south of the train station. You can also get tickets near the stadium, not at the stadium itself, on match days, um, but it's a bit difficult to find. It's on the other side of the bridge, but ask directions once you get to the stadium, but make sure you arrive about an hour before kickoff, unless you want to miss the... Uh, beginning of the match. Tickets start at about 15 euros, which if you're used to English football ticket prices is pretty reasonable. One word of advice is to bring one of the local sports newspapers, not to read but to sit on because the seats are filthy. It's Sunday, so I've come to church. It's not something I do on a normal Sunday, but then this is no normal church. In fact, it's the church of St. Peter's, the Vatican City. In fact, it's not so much a city within a city, it's a, a state within a state, because the Vatican City is an independent state as such. It has its own newspaper, its own stamps, its own coins. It even has its own train station, uh, although you can't use it for passenger services, it's for freight. The first place that you'll come across is St. Peter's Square. This is very much the meeting place of the whole Roman Catholic Church. 
It was laid out in the 16th century by Bernini, who was responsible for so much of the fantastic architecture in Rome. In the centre is an obelisk brought from Egypt by Caligula. And in fact, I was told yesterday by uh, one of the locals that there are more obelisks in Rome these days than there are in Egypt. The square itself, particularly on a Sunday like this, is always busy, both with tourists and also pilgrims, many of whom come here. There are lots of nuns and priests, church groups. This is very much more than a tourist attraction. It's very much a, a thriving and fully functioning religious centre. As you stand in the square, you can't miss St Peter's Basilica in front of you. It was built in the 16th century, or what you see today was built in the 16th century. And most of the famous architects and artists, such as Raphael and Michelangelo, uh, played their part in creating what is still the largest basilica in the world. But most of the credit for what you see goes to Michelangelo. The Vatican museums, which are reputed to be the largest museums in the world, contain over five million objects. And I'm reliably informed that if you spent a minute looking at each of the items in the Vatican museums, it would only take you 26 years. So if you've got a fair bit of time, you could keep yourself busy here. The Sistine Chapel is perhaps the most popular and most famous of the treasures here. One word of advice, if you want to see it without huge numbers of crowds, then the best thing to do is to get here quite early in the morning and queue up and when you manage to get in, when the uh, Vatican opens, to go straight to the Sistine Chapel. There you have at least part of a chance to see it without large numbers of crowds. It's obviously still very much a working religious centre. In front of me actually is uh, a large number of seats and a podium which were used on Friday by the current Pope to ordain a number of new cardinals and each event like that obviously attracts very large crowds. There's also masses and audiences on Wednesdays and Sundays, which is obviously when, the, when St Peter's is busiest, but also when you get a real sense of the religious importance of this place. A friend of mine who knew Rome well reckoned that this was the most romantic place in the whole city and he brought his girlfriend here to propose to her some years ago. Unfortunately, he arrived at the Spanish Steps at exactly the same time as thousands of Italian football fans who'd come here to celebrate their, their team's victory over Spain in a, in a football international. So he had to scrap his plans and choose another romantic location. Luckily, she said yes. But this evening, it's much quieter and... There's an undeniably romantic atmosphere on the Spanish steppes. There's no shortage of extremely annoying hawkers ready to sell you red roses if the mood takes you. The reason why they're called the Spanish steppes is that at the bottom, on the left-hand side, is the Spanish embassy to the Vatican City. And the embassy was Spanish territory, and that included the pavement outside the building. And so... That made it very popular with prostitutes who couldn't be touched by the Italian authorities, unless I suppose the Italian authorities paid for it. And the area is still a very popular meeting place, uh, particularly with teenagers who come here and play terrible guitar music to each other and sing in the 
distance I can hear some German students singing Scorpions songs to each other, which sounds absolutely terrible. There's a small museum to Shelley and Keats at the bottom of the steps. In fact, Keats died in one of the houses in the uh, Spanish Square, which is at the bottom of the steps. But the best thing about the Spanish Steps is the view from the very top, over the rooftops of the historic centre of Rome, all the way over to St Peter's and the Vatican in the distance. For those interested in shopping, and this is Italy after all, then the Via Condotti at the bottom of the Spanish Steps is the place to come at least to look, if not to buy, because it's not cheap around here. There's Gucci and there's Prada and there's Dior and there's Bulgari and that's all in the space of 20 metres. In fact, I don't know why they just don't turn this street into a catwalk. One of the most surprising and unsuspected views in Rome can be seen through a little keyhole in Piazza della Cavaliere di Malta. It's on the Avertine Hill, which is south of the Circo Massimo and the Colosseum. You'll probably find someone already peering through it, so it should be pretty easy for you to find. And someone clearly had a sense of humour and a great deal of money to go to such trouble to set something like that up. But I'm afraid I'm not going to tell you what it is. John Hooper on I'veBeenThere.co.uk suggested it, which was why I went there. And like him, I'm not going to spoil the surprise for you. For a slightly unusual perspective of archaeology, I'd suggest the Torre Argentina, it's, uh, it was here 2,000 years ago that Julius Caesar was stabbed to death by Brutus and lots of other people. But these days, the area is a cat sanctuary, and the Moggis have complete free reign over the, the ruins and act in an imperial manner that not even Caesar could really compete with. You can find Torre Argentina a few minutes' walk due south of the Pantheon. Here's a little place that most people don't know about. In fact, I don't even think it's marked on most tourist maps, but... If you come to Rome, I guarantee you that you'll walk past it and not even notice it. It's the church in the uh, Trevi Fountain Square, just diagonally opposite the fountain itself. You'll probably walk past it and not even notice it. And this church, which is currently under restoration, actually contains the remains of 16 popes. Some of the greatest treasures in the world are in Rome, and they're free as well. It costs nothing to visit the Pantheon, and most of the city's spectacular churches are also free. My personal favourite is the Gothic church of Santa Maria Sopra Minerva, which is in the square behind the Pantheon. Like many other churches, it's just bursting with artistic masterpieces. Particularly take a look at the marble statue of Christ holding the crucifix, which is on the left-hand side of the altar. Michelangelo himself started this particular sculpture. Uh, you'll notice that the hands bear a striking similarity with some of the paintings on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. But he didn't like the marble because it had little black spots in it, and so he left it for someone else to finish. Uh, and frankly, they weren't quite as good. But uh, it's remarkable to see the two styles in one work. Several people on I'veBeenThere.co.uk have recommended a visit to some of Rome's atmospheric markets, and they're certainly not wrong. There's a daily food market with a great atmosphere at Campo de Fiori, to the south of Piazza Navona. And every Sunday, there's also a bustling street market in Tastavere district, on the west bank of the River Tiber. 
It's tempting because there are so many major sites to see to restrict yourself just to these, but that would be a mistake. They are almost always crowded unless you visit very early in the morning or late at night, and that's not always an option. Locals will tell you, however, that many of the museums and churches are all but deserted. So set some time aside and just pick one at random, and you'll be amazed what you'll find. The usual warnings about pickpocket supply. Rome suffers from these just as any big city popular with tourists does. You should be particularly alert in the area around the main train station, but whatever you do, keep one eye on the traffic. Of course, this is all just the beginning. If you spent a thousand years in Rome, you would still never have enough time to see and do everything. Don't forget that there's the Forum, the ancient heart of the Roman Empire, and the treasures of the Villa Borghese. Then there's the great chariot track of the Circo Massimo, and of course the catacombs, which are just outside the city centre, and the Appian Way, and the Capitoline Hill with its museums and palaces, and the monumental Vittoriano. There's the ruins of the Palatine Hill, Nero's Domus Aurea, the Castel San Angelo, the nightlife in Taxavere. with special thanks to the Rome Tourist Board and the Opera Hotel, and to EasyJet, who fly to Rome Campino from London Gatwick, Belfast, Bristol, Newcastle, and Nottingham East Midlands. Guardian Unlimited 